1: Let's talk about decarbonisation, both in the South African and global context. With me is John Green, Chief Commercial Officer at 91 in Cape Town. John, I want to take a step back, if I can, and talk in more general terms, because we've been speaking about ESG, that's Environmental, Social and Governance, when it comes to investing, and also decarbonisation, for a number of years now. And 91 has been a champion of decarbonisation. Since you really took up the mantle and uh, grabbed the baton, whatever you want to describe it as... Have you seen progress both in South Africa and worldwide? Lindsay,
0: hi, yes, and thanks for the time today. Lindsay, I think there has been an order of magnitude change literally in the last six months around the urgency behind decarbonisation, particularly in the world of large capital pools, so pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, big investors, really beginning to commit to the realization that decarbonization is something that is absolutely necessary, that setting net zero targets for investments is an absolute requirement, and that therefore thinking about portfolios, thinking about companies, thinking about fixed income instruments through the lens of climate and climate action is something that has taken on an entirely new perspective uh, in the world of investing over the last six months, in my experience.
1: Okay, not just the last six months. I mean, I've said this to you before, but it used to be that there would be an annual report from a, a listed company. And at the end, it would say, by the way, we are you know, environmentally friendly and we've done this and we've given a little bit to this community and uh, donated a, a certain amount of money to this fund or something. But no longer, it's now a serious, serious business when it comes to investing.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I think there's a very specific focus on climate. Right now, I think that the investment world has definitely come together on believing that capital can make a difference to decarbonization, which we know it can. We know there's an enormous amount of investment required globally, and that in order to drive that, capital allocators need to be far more specific about their wishes for how their capital is deployed.
1: When it comes to South Africa, we haven't got a great record at the moment, and we know why, because the energy infrastructure in South Africa is embedded. It's an infrastructure that can't just be dismantled just because it is coal-based and carbon-leaning. I think that's a polite way to put it. So how can we start? We have started. We know that President Sir Ramaphosa has made some very good noises recently, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But where does it start? Can it start at the household level? Does it start with the private sector, the public sector, or or should all three start to work together?
0: I think, Lindsay, all parts of the economy have to come together around this issue. The biggest concern that I have as an investor is – is that if South Africa, particularly its energy system, doesn't move forward in addressing this question of decarbonisation, we're going to be left behind as an economy that has access to the world in in trade terms. And that, for me, is something that should really drive and galvanise the policymakers to address this question. And interestingly, it's actually not that challenging, even though we have a very coal-heavy, carbon-heavy energy system right now. In fact, one of the heaviest, one of the most carbon-intense in the world. So I think you are very polite. We have an abundance of renewable resources. And you know the first three rounds of, of the REAP, the Renewable Energy Public-Private Partnership Program, showed that we can deliver renewable energy very quickly. I think an interview with the Chamber of Mines a couple of days ago uh, after the president's announcement you know clarified that you know there's as much as one point six gigawatts of generation just waiting to be turned on, if you like, in terms of investment, uh, and that 's an enormous amount you know that 's nearly a third of the current energy supply in the country, so I think that whilst this is a huge risk if as South, as South Africas an economy doesn 't respond it 's a huge opportunity too, and at the same time, I think there's the added benefit of This being a potential investment drive that can kickstart the economy. So I, I I do believe that, that it's challenging, but that if the policymakers grip the problem and, and really show some vision here, uh, as a country, there's an enormous benefit to be gained from committing to the transition.
1: Can you commit to the transition by dismantling Escom over a, a number of years? obviously it can 't be done overnight, but if you as you say in a, in a piece that was sent to me by uh, one of your colleagues there 's been a plunging a plunging price in renewable energy uh, set-up costs and also the price of delivering it to the household or to industry or to a a mining company. Uh, So obviously that is very beneficial in the long term, but you can't just throw away tens and tens of billions that have been invested in new Eskom facilities, coal facilities, for example, or can you?
0: Well, interesting, Lindsay, I think, you know, the experts, and and I'm not an expert on, on the energy system, but the experts tell us, that, you know, there is a very viable path to transition in South Africa uh, and to basically transitioning off off coal. You've got thirty years to do that. Twenty, fifty is the target for net zero. You don't have to do it next year. Um, and in fact, um, you know, many of our of our coal fired stations are creaking and groaning as we as we all know. And yes. and, and, and or you know the sooner you can decommission them them the better. So I, I don't equate a change in the energy system to you know decommissioning escom i think that escom is a critical part of the solution long term escom adopting a renewable energy plan that's much more aggressive i think is part of that program and uh, and you'll see that that sort of the availability for finance for those kinds of efforts will be will be much more uh, i think keenly priced much more open to discussion and negotiation. So for me, a transition doesn't mean, you know, ESCOM gets left behind. It means we change our mindset around the future energy infrastructure in the country. And we can do that. I mean, it's it's it was unbelievable to me in pressing into the detail and understanding that we could, we can as a country transition off coal by 2050 at no material uh, implication to unit costs of energy. And, and that's, that's a fantastic confirmation that we are both rich in carbon resources and renewable energy resources, one of the luckier countries out there. So I believe that this is, is a transition that if we commit to, we can uh, meaningfully re-energize our whole economy and set ourselves up for a, for a successful future. If we don't, then the threat of carbon taxes – the threat of being put in the naughty corner as a carbon-heavy country is just going to get more and more visible and real.
1: How real is that carbon tax situation? I mean, at what point do people like the EU and other developed world regions say, "Okay, South Africa, you are in the naughty corner because out of 25 relatively wealthy nations, and this is, again, a stat that I got from the report sent by 91 to myself, we're the worst we are most carbon reliant when it comes to energy transmission. So what does a carbon tax mean? How much is it going to cost the fiscus?
0: So it doesn't cost the fiscus anything, Lindsay. Basically, what what happens is is incoming product gets levied on an equivalent amount of the carbon that was emitted based on the price of carbon. So Sweden is already doing this. There's a specific set, a number of products, mainly fuel-related products that if you import into Sweden, you pay as the importer an additional tax of $126 per ton of carbon Mm. assigned to that product. And so it's not our fiscus that gets taxed. It's our product when we ship it. And so all that that it means is we become less competitive. What does that mean? We have less less export opportunity, there's less opportunity for growth, and, and so on and so on. So is that real? It's very real because fortunately the carbon problem is everybody in the world's problem. You can't solve it in one part of the world and not in others. And you know the developed world which is responsible for most of the greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere will take active steps to to try and bring uh, emerging market economies into line. So I don't think it's a, it's a threat that won't uh, eventuate. We're seeing it happen already. And uh, it will materially affect those that are not committed to a transition. The point, again, about South Africa and the fantastic opportunity that we have is we can transition. We can use that to kickstart our economy. We can use that to address you know, one of our biggest problems, which is stable energy. And then we can be seen in the good corner. So it's just like it's this multiple effect, which is a which I think is an enormous opportunity that, you know, both private and public sector
1: need to really get behind and rally behind. And enormously encouraging as well. The last words, the last couple of sentences you imparted there. The other thing is, one thing I've learned about being a reporter on South African companies and the South African economy is that the South African is a resourceful creature. And I do believe that the, the load shedding, on the one hand, is terrible, but every cloud has a silver lining. And I, think, I, I like to think, rather, that manufacturing and mining has said to itself, we can't be held to ransom by load shedding, so let's do something about it. And people have done something about it. So when your investment professionals go around and sit around the table and say, OK, how are you doing? We're interested in your company. We might want to raise our stake. And does the company say, yes, and by the way, look at what we're doing about renewables and securing our very own source of energy supply. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing a mine, for example, in the future that doesn't have to plug into the Eskom grid as it currently stands? They'll actually generate their own energy needs.
0: But Lindsay, I mean, that's the beauty, I think, of the resourcefulness of private and public and corporate South Africa, is that we're always looking for solutions. And there wouldn't be this 1.6 gigawatts basically ready for action if mines and heavy industry weren't asking themselves the question, how do we reduce our dependence here? So absolutely, you're right. I think that in a bizarre way, the, the reliability or unreliability of, of ESCOM has forced many organizations and individuals out there to think about how they develop alternatives. And so in that sense, it's, it's very positive. No conversation i would say will happen with an international investor about a company going forward particularly a company that that operates in the in the carbon heavy sectors without a discussion about its transition plan and therefore a transition plan onto renewable energy will be seen as incredibly positive cost of capital will be affected share prices and valuations will and multiples will be affected so This is a part of mainstream investment consideration today. Your business model, your financial model, and then your climate model are things that are going to all be uh, central to um, investment decision-making.
1: And talking about investment decision-making, you're in the business of making investment decisions every single day, and we can talk about the benefits of decarbonisation to the world's economy and to the environment, but what about to your investors. You must be seeing opportunities coming up on almost a weekly basis. There must be dozens and dozens of companies that uh, put their prospectus on your desks uh, at 91, and it must be very, very difficult to make a decision on which one to choose, but a a nice problem to have.
0: It it is, Lindsay, and we have a team that specializes in understanding and investing in companies that are presenting solutions to decarbonization. It's our thematic equity team. They run one of our investment strategies called our global environment strategy. That strategy is focused on the winners, the companies who are going to win in this process of decarbonization. I would argue that decarbonization is going to match digitization as a significant performance theme for the next 10 to 15 years. So getting to understand it, getting to know it, and being able to select businesses that are aligned with and will win out of this process is a very important part of your investment thinking. So, yes, it is, it is a great opportunity, and, and I think there's going to be an enormous amount of money made for investors in this space, but you need to be very focused and very specialized in how you do think about those opportunities, which
1: we've done. It's been a very exciting uh, last few minutes on so many levels, John. Thanks so much for your time. That's John Green, Chief Commercial Officer at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position